Welcome to the reading of Dr. Richard Ganz's book, Psychobabble, The Failure of Modern Psychology and the Biblical Alternative, copyright 1993 by Richard Ganz. This book is read and distributed with the author's permission. This MP3 audio file is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books, which offers a large selection of free and discounted classic and contemporary Puritan and Reformed resources on the web at swrb.com. We continue our reading on page 149. Chapter 15 The Power of God in the Changing of Lives Twice I have heard this, that power belongs to God. Psalm 62:11. Even though evangelicals are enamored with it, Secular psychology contradicts the simply stated truth that God is the God of power. We talk as though we believe this verse, but we refuse to look to the Bible for real counsel. The Bible, given by the mouth and by the love of God, is designed to bring His healing power to bear on the shattered people who flee to Him. Instead of using God's word, we send people to the professionals, If we believe that the power of God has been exerted in our salvation, why would we neglect its use in sanctification? That is what counseling is all about. Does not God want his people to have abundant life? The answer is obvious. As we observe ourselves from a biblical perspective, we must affirm our initial enmity against God. We were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. Ephesians 2, 3 We hated God and were his enemies. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5 You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5, verses 6 and 7, NIV. The incredible potential for real change began while we were helpless, powerless in our sins. We could do nothing. The Bible teaches that everything was done for us. We were changed. We were changed from objects of wrath to children of God. Romans 8:17. Instead of enmity toward God in our hearts, God's love fills our hearts. God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given. Romans 5, 5, NIV What has God done in regenerating us, causing us to be born again? By his power he has changed us. We are no longer the same. He says, If any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Many individuals will testify that the change that God wrought in them produced a holiness that completely changed their lives. I have seen this in counseling. One situation in particular stands out. The man was immersed in a life of deceit and theft. He was converted, and instantly he was a new person, not just in relationship to God, but also with regard to former habits and desires. In the six years since, 
this man has continued to grow in holiness and has never, to my knowledge, even experienced temptation to return to the former sinful ways. Of course, he is not the norm. While God in his power and mercy makes us new by giving us a new nature, rarely is there a turnaround such as this. Instead, counseling is necessary for new Christians because they need to understand the warfare raging within them. People want to do right, yet they find themselves assaulted by evil motives, desires, thoughts, and actions. Often they feel like anything but recipients of divine power. They do not experience a completely changed life. In fact, it is a grievous error to lead people to believe that in this life their battles can be over. The demonstration of the power of God is not in bringing us to a place where there is no battle but in causing us to see that the power of God will be present in whatever battle we find ourselves. Then we can endure trials and temptations, 1 Corinthians 10.13, and we can change. God says, My grace is sufficient for you, 2 Corinthians 12.9. His grace is not only sufficient, but available. Yet believers will often run in every other way but to that place of grace. But not only is his grace to be sought, once received it is to be used, Luke 8:18. Then a believer living a grace-filled life will expect even more. He gives us more grace so that we can fight all the battles in which he places us, James 4, 6, NIV. A dear old saint I know has this to say every time I tell her about a battle in which I am engaged. The devil is mighty, but the Lord is almighty. Put simply, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. 1 John 4.4 What does this mean? The Christian is called in the midst of fierce battle to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Ephesians 6.10 Our strength is in his might, not our own. Our Lord promises rest. Matthew 11:28 and 29. But this promise is appropriated in the midst of the world, the flesh, and the devil. This rest will never be perfect serenity of heart and mind until we are with the Lord. Although we face many crises during our lifetimes, the true believer can testify that God has both been with him and seen him through these seeming disasters. Jesus tells us numerous sheep stories in the Bible because he wants us to learn from these little woolly creatures. As a shepherd of a flock of about 100 sheep, I have faced numerous crises with them and learned many lessons that aid my work as a pastor. Not long ago, my youngest child came running to me announcing that she had found a young lamb with its head caught under a fence. The logical question is, What was its head doing under a fence? You know what they say about grass and fences. This little lamb got stuck in its quest for greener grass. In a field filled with lambs running around, it was easily overlooked. Without help, this lamb would have died. Fortunately for it, a little shepherd girl carefully scanned the perimeters of the field, noticed it, and saved its life. That night I would have counted my sheep, and unless they were running too fast and jumping too high, I would have noticed a missing lamb. 
I would have done what my daughter had already done, searched for the missing lamb until I found it. We find ourselves in many disastrous situations. We get caught, trapped, or ensnared in one thing after another. But the Lord delivers us from them all. Psalm 34:17. He is truly our good shepherd. Nonetheless, our lives are filled with troubles. Jesus says, In this world you will have trouble. John 16:33 NIV. Does this mean that we have embraced less than a perfect Savior? Does this mean that salvation is not perfect because of our imperfect experience? No. But many Christians enter into the Christian life hoping that sin will be eradicated from their experience and they are not taught otherwise. They are understandably disappointed and often distressed when this does not happen. They could be saved that disappointment if they had a solid biblical understanding of how God intends for us to be changed. But thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart. Romans 6.17 What has happened? God is saying, Now that you have been made free from guilt and the dominion of sin, you are free. You have the capacity to serve God. What is perhaps most illuminating for our purposes in this passage is that God says that the transformation is carried out when you obey biblical doctrine that demands hearty acceptance. Romans 6.17 This is called in Titus the truth which is after godliness. Titus 1.1 KJV The picture is of a form or pattern placed upon our hearts to mold them like molten liquid in order to retain the exact impression required. Our hearts, in other words, are being molded in order to conform us exactly to the image of Jesus Christ. We are to fight willingly against the sin that threatens to destroy our character, relationships, and witness because Christ is with us, strengthening, empowering, and shaping us not only to act like Him, but to be like Him. The psychologists may teach us many techniques through which they promise peace and prosperity, but there are no shortcuts to change. God chisels away at us piece by piece until the completed person is, in glory, a replica of the Christ who redeemed us. Woe to us if we replace conviction of sin with self-esteem, self-love, or even self-knowledge. Woe to those who counsel such action. Those who swallow the medicine of the secular psychologists, tonics disguised with a Christ-flavored coating or remedies straight from the textbook, are condemned to wander through their lives with the nagging despair that accompanies the barrenness of such foolishness. Instead, turn to Christ. Acknowledge your brokenness not as a gimmick, but as a reality based on your struggles with sin, so that God might begin the work of mending your brokenness according to His will, expressed through His Word. Then the church of our Lord Jesus Christ will be able to rejoice in its identity, for its members will know that they are washed, cleansed, renewed, restored, and mended in every way. The church will exult, 
for believers will see beyond the 20th century perception of themselves as a motley band of walking wounded who should be grateful for the attention and assistance of godless soul-menders. People of God, denounce that vision. The church of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords is his glorious bride. He will not have his precious possession limping into the wedding feast with mud clinging to the wedding clothes, but instead will present us pure and radiant. Therefore, throughout eternity, beginning now, let the glorious body of Christ exult, for we are more than survivors.